are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. One time I said somewhere the most important man west of the Mississippi River. Next time I didn't mean to change it, but I said he's the most important man west of the Rocky Mountains. And then I said one time he's the most important man in California. Now I think he's the most important man in this part of Santa Clara. <laughs> and uh, have I told you about my church in Hammond? We only have one acre of land and <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Oh me. Thank you so much. I'm never treated anywhere any better than I'm treated here. Now you have to understand that I travel every week of my life. And uh, last time, last week, as I said before, I was way up in the state of Maine. And next week, I think I'm in Louisville, Kentucky, and the next week in Omaha, Nebraska. And the next week, I'll be in the state penitentiary. I'm not sure where I'll be. But I travel. And you just have to travel like I travel to know what it means to be treated like I'm treated here. I want to thank Brother Trevor always for his kindness and his courtesy. Not a kinder greater man in America than Jack Treber. And I mean that. And I just don't say that here. I say it to my wife at home also. I say it all over the country that Jack Treber is the most important man in this block. <laughs> Next to Harold. But Thank you for the lovely luncheon today and for so many kind things in my room. I'll declare I need an extra suitcase to take everything back, the sheets, the pillowcases, <laughs> the towels, and so forth. But I, it's always a delight. You know, I, I'm scheduled right now every week for three years. And some places I go, I don't want to go, but I know I'm supposed to go. And I dread going, but I go. But as I come closer to this place, I look at my schedule and a little light flashes on and off. And I always hate to say goodbye. If I, I, I don't, uh, I don't take vacations, have them in years. However, my wife and I are going to take a 50th anniversary vacation this year. And we're going to go to Las Vegas and see if we can get some building program money. And... Uh, I better be careful what I say to myself here. <laughs> and uh, one thing when I talk to myself, I don't exaggerate. That's for sure. <laughs> but I, uh, but if, if I could have a good friend, somebody that I could, if I played golf, play golf with, if I fished, go fishing with, uh, I'd like for it to be Jack Treber. I love him and I like him and I could not tell you folks here how much this country needs him and you be good to him and what he said a while ago about being good to your preachers I was looking around seeing these preachers you, you do that now you just do that 
Uh, when you think about Hammond, Indiana, you think about Jack Hiles, but I don't. I think about thousands of people that were la laid down their risked their lives and laid down their necks for me and have, have stayed with me through these years. Open your Bibles, please, to Matthew chapter 11. Thank you, ushers, for your help. Thanks to my security men for their help. Thank you, PA men, for your help. Thank you, nursery workers. God bless every one of you for your help and to all who've had a part. Matthew chapter number 11. The last three verses. And before I read, I want to tell you something. If you listen tonight, by, by the way, as I said last night, I don't preach my usual conference sermons when I come here in the springtime. I do that when I come in the fall to your pastor's conference. But Brother Treber asked me several years ago, he said, I want you to come once a year and preach to my people. And I'm going to preach to you like a pastor tonight. I've said this before, but I, I want us to be a church for the next, oh, 45 minutes or so. I want to be your pastor. And so if you'll join my church for the next 45 minutes, raise your hand, would you please? All right, now we're at church. I want to talk about the salary. <laughs> um, but I, uh, I want to be a pastor, and I'm going to preach a sermon I've never preached anywhere uh, in, 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 in on the road. In fact, it's dangerous to preach on the road, I'll tell you for sure. But anyway, uh, at my church, when one goes over like that, I go like that. But uh, they'll get better as we go along. I hope. I just hope you will. But uh, I... Uh, I, this is the kind of what I call a pastoral sermon. It's not the kind of sermon I preach in conferences. But I want to help you tonight, and I promise you this. If you listen to me, if you listen to me, you won't say this is a great sermon, but if you listen to me, I promise you, and do what I'm talking about tonight, you'll have your life changed. I mean that. I have no great sermons, but I have some great truths. And tonight, I'm going to give you a truth that you need to hear. You're right, my brother. You said a while ago, Everybody has heartaches and everybody has burdens. If you haven't got yours, they're on the way. They're, they're coming. I mean, they're, they're just down the road. You keep on walking, you're going to hit them. And tonight I want to talk to you about your burdens. In Matthew, by, by the way, I, say, I, I may never read this scripture. I got too much I want to say. You probably are looking tonight at the happiest man you ever saw in your life. You, you, you probably are. I don't know what depression is all about. I never get depressed. I, I never get melancholy. I never get blue. I, I don't know what that's all about. I don't. And uh, I, you ask my people, 36 years this August, I've been pastor of the same church. You ask anybody there if they've ever seen me walk to the pulpit downcast. You ask my wife the last time I walked to the table in the morning for breakfast, discouraged and blue. I don't get that way. And I'm going to tell you tonight, one of the main reasons why I don't. Now we look at the scripture. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden light. Keep your Bibles open there. In a little while, I'm going to come back and ask you to look at it again along with me. Our Heavenly Father, I want to be a blessing tonight. I pray for these meetings where I preach around the country. 
for five weeks before I go, and for five weeks I've been praying for this meeting. Not one time in these five weeks have I asked you to help me be a good preacher. Not one time in these five weeks have I asked you to help me to preach a good sermon. But I've asked you again and again to help me be a blessing. And that's what I plead with you for tonight. Help me to be a blessing. I pray not that anybody will leave and say that was a good sermon. I don't pray for anybody to leave and say he's a great preacher. But I sure would like for a bunch of people to walk out of this room tonight and say that truth changed my life. Make it so and help me to be a blessing. Amen. This is for me, and that's for you. Let me straighten it up. I hate something crooked. That's why I hate deacons. Now I want you to, I want you to really give me attention tonight. I want you to put your pencils, your pens down, put your notebooks down. You know, the other day I was preaching along, and I, I said to my people, I said, you know the words that I've said, statement I've made in this church in these almost 36 years, more than any other statement I've made, I said, I guarantee you it's this statement, God loves you. My song leader got up and said, I don't agree with that. The statement I've heard you say the most is put your pens and paper down and quit taking notes while I preach. But I want to preach to you, not lecture to you, and I want you really to listen to me all the way to the back of the balcony, the back of the lower floor, back in the corners. I want you to listen carefully. I want to help you tonight. I'm going to ask you a question. My hand is already up. How many of you would say, Preacher, I have what I think tonight is a burden? My hand is up. Would you raise your hand? You have a burden. We're up high. We're up high. We're up high. Be honest. I'm not going to, I'm not going to trick you. All right? Thank you very much. All right, how many of you who raised your hand, you're saved, you've come to Jesus for salvation, would you raise your hand again, please? All right, then that's the same crowd. Now, you said you've come to Jesus, is that right? And you said you have a burden, is that right? All right, then I guess then that Jesus didn't take your burden. Did he? They say that Jesus will take your burden if you'll come to him. But the truth is, he didn't, did he? I'm ruining your theology tonight. Now I'm going to ruin your songs. We sing, yes, Jesus took my burden I could no longer bear. Yes, Jesus took my burden in answer to my prayer. My anxious fear subsided. My spirit was made strong. For Jesus took my burden and left me with a song. That's a pretty song. It's just not true. Well, you said you came to Jesus, didn't you? Let's try it again. How many have come to Jesus? You're saved. Raise your hand way up high. How many have a burden? Would you raise your hand way up high? Well, that shoots that song full of holes. We sing. I, this is terrible. I hate to ruin your whole Christian life tonight, but I'm going to do it. We sing. Rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. Every burden of my heart rolled away. Have you ever sung that? You lied through your teeth, didn't you? Uh, was every burden of your heart rolled away? Now, every burden of sin and the guilt of sin was rolled away. But the truth is, that song is not right if you're talking about real burdens and heartaches and so forth. Because the truth is, you said you came to Jesus and you said you still have your burden. We sing, if the world from you withhold of its silver and its gold, 
and you have to get along with meager fare. Just remember in his word how he feeds the little bird. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. You didn't do it, did you? You took your burden to the Lord and brought it back. Now, the, the truth is, now listen carefully to me because you're not going to like what I'm going to say. If I don't give a flip. Uh, now, now listen carefully to what I'm going to say tonight. Jesus does not take your burden away. You said a while ago, you come to Jesus. And now in my text tonight, it does not say that you come to Jesus, he'll take your burden away. We'll look at it in a minute. Don't look at it now. We'll look at it in a minute together. Hear me carefully. It does not say that Jesus will take your burden. It doesn't say, come unto me, all you that labor are heavy laden, and I will take your burden. It doesn't say that at all. Ask a question. Why is it that the Christian with the heaviest load is the one who helps the Christian with the lightest load? Why is that? Why is it this man here who has more burdens than you have is the one helping you? Who have with the, the counselor, counselor usually has more burdens than the counselee. Now I'm going to explain it after a while. Oh, I know you're just itching to have me explain it. I can just see the, uh, the anxiety on your face. I'm ask you a question. Why do some Christians break under the load that others bear? Same load, same burden. Why is it that, that, that I'll guarantee you, 99 times out of 100, the person that's doing the, the, the burden bearing has a bigger burden to bear than the person who's having his burden borne? Why? Well, that's a pretty good statement, wasn't it? I'll tell you why. I, I marvel sometimes at my brilliance when I preach. Now, I can't say it again. I, I, <laughs> you say it once, Buster, if you think you're so hot. Now, I ask you another question. I'm going to answer it after a while if I can ever get through with the questions. Some keep on going under the same load that quitters carry. Now, what is the deal here? It's, you, 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 you thought, didn't you, that that's what you're saying. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. Rolled away, rolled away, rolled away. Every burden of my heart rolled away. Yes, Jesus took my burden. I could no longer bear. You lied through your teeth. Yes, Jesus. No, he didn't. You came to Jesus. You still got your cotton-picking burden right there. You got it now. You said a while ago, you have your burden. So Jesus didn't take your burden. Now, what's the, what is the problem here? It's a misunderstanding of Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. Look at it again now. Matthew 11, 28. Now, you find somewhere in here where Jesus takes your burden. He doesn't say it. Watch it. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. Does he say he takes your burden away? No, just says I'll give you rest. Now, how does he give you rest? Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your soul. Does it say there that he takes your burden away? No, it says uh, he says he'll give you a yoke, and you'll find rest unto your soul. Look at verse 30. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Does he say he'll take the burden away? Are you listening to me? No, he does not say. So look right this way, and let me explain it to you what it means. There are two misunderstandings about burdens. The first one is, you come to Jesus, and you'll have more burdens added to your life. My pet peeve in the psalm book, and I'm just destroying the whole stupid psalm, I mean the good psalm book tonight, but my pet peeve is one song. It's a beautiful song. But it's my pet peeve, you know. 
it will be worth it all when we see I, I, I'm, I'm going to sing you didn't invite me to sing but I'm going to sing boy after I heard these fellows sing I thought I can beat that I'll dead sure tell you for sure it will be worth it all when we see Jesus life's trials will seem so small when we see Christ one li that's the most stupid thing I've heard of in my life in other words, you come to Jesus, he'll just stack burdens on, stack burdens on, stack burdens on. But praise God, one of these days, we'll get to heaven and it'll all be over. I got news for you, brother. I'm not looking forward to the destination. I'm enjoying the journey. I've never been so happy in my life. Never have. I never have. I, I do, you think I can't kick these microphones over here on the side? I'm trying, <laughs> I'm trying to tell you tonight, I never have been as happy. In, I'm 68 years old. I, I'm, I got one foot on the banana peel and the slothin's done slip, gone. I, I mean, brother, they're, they're checking to see if I've got a pulse rate, but I'm happy as a June bug on the last day of May, I'll tell you for sure. Now, don't you tell me that you come. It will be worth it all when we see G. Oh, hogwash, fooey, poppycock, and Tom fooling, brother. It's a wonderful thing to be a child of God. Roll away. My, my, my name is written in heaven. God's my Father. Jesus my Savior. Bible's my book. Heaven's my home. Holy Spirit's my power. And I'm having the time of my life. On the other hand, there is another misconception. And that is, one misconception says you come to Jesus and you carry burdens the rest of your life. The other one is, you come to Jesus, he takes all your burdens away. And that's not true either. That's what the charismatics say. Oh, you just come to Jesus and you'll get rich. Man, I came to Jesus years ago and I'm poor as Job's turkey. I've got to lean up against a fence to gobble. That's how poor I am. I, I'm, I'm saying, ladies and gentlemen, it's not true. The honest truth is uh, the charismatics are wrong. They're wrong on everything. I haven't got one ounce of charismatic blood in my veins. I'm more Catholic than I'm charismatic. And I'll have the Pope for a Bible before I'll have Oral Roberts. And I can prove it because they got the Pope lined up next May and Oral Roberts in July. Honest, simple truth is, Jesus does not take your burdens away. Now, three observations. Hear me carefully. You're about to learn something. If I can figure out what it is. This passage has nothing to do with burdens or their size. Nothing. Not one single thing says in that passage that God takes your burdens away. Has nothing to do with your burdens or its other size. Observation number two. It has to do with the yoke. It does not say bring your burden to me and leave it and I'll take it. It says, bring your burden to me and I'll swap the yoke you've got for the yoke I've got and your burden will be easier to bear after you leave my presence. <laughs> Number three, you don't change burdens, you change yokes. You come to Jesus and you got that old burden, it's like an like a animal pulling a, a, a burden or a load with a, with a rope around his neck. Animal has that rope around his neck, he's choking and, and it's hurting and the neck's getting raw, 
And he comes over and the master takes that rope off and puts a yoke on. Now he comes back, he's bearing the same load he had when he had the rope on. But it doesn't hurt as much as it did. Why? He's changed the yoke. Jesus said, come to me, I won't change your burden one bit, but I'll give you a yoke and make it less painful to you. I'll not give you, take your burden away. I'll take your yoke away and give you my yoke, and then the burden that you bear will be easier to bear. Boy, that's good. When I was a paratrooper back in the Civil War, somebody said, you a paratrooper? Yes, I was in World War II. How many jumps did you make? Didn't make any. I was kicked out 19 times. I said, how many night jumps did you make? It was dark every time I jumped. My eyes were shut when I jumped. Around you, around your shoulders here, had what they call risers. The risers were about a belt, like a belt about that wide. First time I jumped, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, and then the parachute opened. Those risers pulled the skin off my shoulder. I mean, my skin was pulled off my shoulder just about as wide as those risers were. Now, while I was a paratrooper, they came out with a new invention. They invented some new risers on the harness. And those risers would keep your shoulders from, from, from having the skin pulled off. Now, we had the same airplane. We had the same parachutes. We had the same landing field. We were the same paratroopers. But the jump was easier than it was before because we had new risers that made the same jump easier than the old risers did. That's what God is saying here. God is saying here, I'm not, and he won't take your burden away. No, he won't, but praise his wonderful name. He'll give you a yoke that's make it easier to bear. And though your burden may get heavier, it won't hurt as much because every time you get a burden that's heavier, trot down to Jesus and get a new yoke. You put a rope around a horse's neck, change it for a yoke, it eases the pain. So here's the outline. Number one, you have a burden. Number two, it hurts. Number three, you come to Jesus. Number four, he changes the yoke. Number five, the burden is the same. Number six, the burden is easier to pull. So I cannot say tonight, come to Jesus and the circumstances of life will change. Because they won't. If you are divorced, your husband left you for some whore, and you're divorced... And you come to Jesus, you're still going to be divorced after you come, come to Jesus. If you're sick, you're still going to be sick after you come to Jesus. If you're bankrupt, you're still going to be bankrupt after you come to Jesus. I'm saying, coming to Jesus does not change your circumstances one whit. But I can say, come to Jesus and the circumstances under which you will still... I like to fell off this thing just then. Do you notice that? Man, be careful, old man. Get back here. <clears throat> you come to Jesus, and the same circumstances you had before you came to him won't hurt as much because he'll give you a better yoke to, 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 to carry the load with. Illustration. I sit at my desk, First Baptist Church of Hammond, my study, with a hundred times heavier burden than the people that I'm helping. I'll promise you that I rarely ever talk to anybody that has more than one hundredth the burden that I have. 
Well, you say, preacher, why is it then that you're helping them? Because mine doesn't hurt as much as theirs does. Their little old piddling yoke being carried, uh, a piddling burden is being carried by a rope. And mine's being carried by the yoke that Jesus gave me. So my burden may be a hundred times heavier than theirs, but bless God, I'm not hurting like they are because I went to Jesus and got my yoke changed. I say tonight, I'm not coming to tell you church members that the burden and heartache you have is going to be gone. The circumstances of your life when you come to Jesus will be the same they were before you came, but praise his wonderful name. He'll give you a yoke that will make it easier to bear the burden and circumstances of your life, and you'll not hurt as much as you did before because he gives you a yoke in place of your old one. I, uh, I, have, some, I have more burdens than I've ever had. I mean that. I make no bones about it. I got more burdens tonight than I ever had. Feel sorry for me. Don't just sit there and go, oh, thank you very much. But I'll tell you what, I don't hurt as much as I did when I was a kid preacher in East Texas. I'm happy. I'm happy today, and the sun shines bright. The clouds have been rolled away. My name is written in heaven. I'm a happy. You'll never see me unhappy because I'm not ever unhappy. My wife said the other day, she said, I never saw anybody enjoyed life like you enjoyed. She said, how in the world can you bear all the burdens that you bear and enjoy life like you enjoyed? I said, baby, you all look at that good yoke I got around my neck to pull my burdens with. Now tonight, come to Jesus and don't say, oh, Jesus, I got a burden. Take it away. Don't say it. Say, I got a burden and I'll bear it like a man. But Jesus, give me a yoke where it won't hurt like it did. something else stand up over here uh, you stand up here ex-bachelor okay you're going to be Jesus boy what a lousy <laughs> casting this is so I come Jesus says come unto me and I'll give you rest take my yoke upon you my yoke is easy and my burden is light so I, I got this whole, I got my own yoke and, and boy, it's, it's tough, and it's getting worse all the time, and it's getting heavier, and, and I, I can hardly bear it. And I come to Jesus, and he hooks me up, he hooks me up with a better yoke. Hey, but that isn't all. He gets in that yoke with me. He gives me his yoke, and then we pull that same yoke together. Thank you very, very much. My yoke is for one. His yoke is for two. I'm going to repeat a few things I've said here before to illustrate. My first battle was at the Grange Hall Baptist Church of Marshall, Texas. I had a deacon turn on me. In fact, that's all I've ever had to turn on me is deacon. We have a hundred little girls that I like First Baptist Church because the pastor stands behind the pulpit and all the demons sit down on the front. Well, I've got a hundred deacons, and this deacon turned on me. He'd like to kill me. I want to make a statement. It was the greatest hurt of my ministry. I hurt more as a kid preacher, 23 years of age, in a little country church in East Texas than I've hurt ever since. I, it was the greatest hurt of my ministry. 
And we kept on going and, and, and got over that. And then we, I went to Garland, Texas. I took a church, had 44 people in Sunday school the first Sunday. On our first anniversary, we had 617, I think it was, 617, 618. No buses. Hadn't thought of buses in those days. Nobody ran buses. First anniversary, 617. On our second anniversary, we had 1180. No buses. Third anniversary, we had 2,212. On our fourth anniversary, we had 3,163 people in Sunday school. No buses. I was Southern Baptist in those days. Always sort of a misfit and an outcast and, and, uh, and, and a renegade. But I was Southern Baptist. Now, I'm going to impress you right now. In 1955, of all the 3,500 Southern Baptist churches in Texas, my church was voted the church of the year. You didn't hear me, did you? I said 1955, of all the 3,500 Southern Baptist churches in Texas, my church was voted the church of the year. You didn't hear me, did you? I said in 1955, 1955, of all the 3,500 churches, in now you can make this sermon as long as you want to. My sermon's 45 minutes. How long your part's going to be, I don't know. I hope you'll get through as soon as you can. I want to get on and watch the movie. But anyway, I'm saying in 1955, my church was chosen the church of the year. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You, want, you want to watch the same movie, don't you? That isn't all. That same year, are you listening to me? Oh, you're going to be impressed. You don't know who it is up here behind this pulpit. In fact, I'm not behind the pulpit much. But you don't know who it is. That same year, I was voted of the 3,500 Southern Baptist churches in Texas, I was voted the pastor of the year. Boy, we ought to pass the offering plates again, I'll tell you for sure. The next year, 1956, are you ready for this? My church was voted for the second consecutive year, the Church of the Year. I said uh, in 1956, my church was voted for the second consecutive year, the Church of the Year. And I was chosen for the second year, Pastor of the Year of the 3,500 churches. I spoke that year as a 29-year-old preacher. I spoke to 4,000 people at the State Training Union Convention in Tyler, Texas. I said I spoke to 4,000 people at the State Training Union Convention in Tyler, Texas. That same year, I spoke to five, 29 years old. I spoke to 5,000 people at the State Sunday School Convention in Abilene, Texas. And I give God all the glory. About as much as you do when you say that. In the same year, I spoke to 7,000 people at the Baptist General Convention of Texas in the Coliseum in San Antonio, Texas. And was invited to speak to the 16,000 delegates of the International Southern Baptist Convention in the Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri. I said I was asked to speak in Kemper Arena in Kansas City, Missouri to 16,000 people. Well, one day, this young protege of the Southern Baptist Convention was invited by the big boys to have lunch together at noon at the Gaston Cafeteria 
in Dallas, Texas. There were five of them, one of me, and we six of us went and got our food. We got the usual food, chicken, fried steak, and gravy, and iced tea, and Diet Coke, and spinach, and uh, all and all that kind of banana pudding, all that kind of stuff. We set our food down, and the big boy said, Mr. Hiles, we have, uh, we may as well tell you why we're here. I thought he wanted to help me to help him plan the Southern Baptist Convention meeting. I thought he was going to brag on me. He said, Mr. Hiles, is it true that you recently had a man named John R. Rice in your church? I said, yeah, it's true. I, th I thought it was good. He said, is it true that you plan to have soon a man named Lee Robertson? I said, that's right. <laughs> I thought he was going to brag on me. He said, is it true that you're planning to speak under a big tent in Corpus Christi, Texas, for a man named Lester Roloff? You see, folks, the three R's that got me in trouble weren't reading and writing and arithmetic as Rice, Robertson, Roloff got me in trouble. And so he said, Mr. Hiles, let's just make it plain. If you continue your association with those questionable men, I did not know they're questionable men. I found out later that they were, but I did not know then that they were. He said, if you continue your association with those questionable men, you have spoken at your last Southern Baptist meeting. Oh, 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 oh. The burning sensation started in my feet and worked its way to my ankles and up to my calves and my thighs and my hips and my waist and my chest and out my arms. And I got up. I didn't know who I was, where I was, if I was, what I was, why I was. I just got my hand and I hit the table and I said, I am not for sale. One fella got baptized with iced tea. One got a spinach to pay on the top of his head. And I walked out. And every speaking engagement that I had canceled out in 24 hours. Everybody that was going to speak to me for me except Rice, Robertson, Roloff canceled out within 24 hours. Within 24 hours, I got a call from my college. The president, H.D. Bruce, had told me that I was one of the two outstanding students that ever attended that college in its 100-year history. He called me and said, you'll never speak again on the platform of East Texas Baptist College. Within 24 hours, my pastor, my deacon chairman of my home church called me where I was licensed, ordained, married, made, made my decisions for God. He called me and said, Jack, you will never preach again behind the pulpit of the Hillcrest Baptist Church of Dallas, Texas, because you disgraced our church. <coughs> he said, what would you do? Took my burden to Jesus. You over there, Jesus? And I took my, you see where you are, Jesus. And, boy, even Jesus obeys me. I took my burden to Jesus. And he hooked me up with a new yoke. He didn't take my burden. He gave me a yoke. It made it easier to bear. And that's what he'll do to you. Take your burden to the Lord. Take it back. But he'll give you a yoke. And it won't hurt as much as it did before you got the burden. Then I came to Hammond. That's worse than getting voted out of the Southern Baptist Convention. You know why? You know who lives up there? Yankees. Have you ever met any of those people? 
Strange people. They all have impediment of speech. We had the mayor of the church on our board. The president of the big downtown bank was on my board. The owner of the biggest department store in Lake County, Indiana, the richest man in Hammond, married to the, a woman whose name was Hammond before she married. Her family is the family after which they named the city. All on my board. Mr. Minus, who was that richest man in town and the fellow that was the godfather of First Baptist Church, his tithe one Sunday was $50,000. Did you hear what I said? His tithe was $50,000. So I made him a deacon without examining him. He called me and said, Reverend House, anybody time anybody calls me Reverend, I know they're backslidden. He said, Reverend House, Mrs. Minus and I would like to have you and Ms. Howes over for dinner. They lived in a palace, gorgeous mansion. Everything that we ate was flown over from Europe. I mean, the entire meal was from Europe. They had French fries. <laughs> Polish sausage, right. $10,000 to fly that meal, that food, from Europe for that meal that night. We sat there, Mrs. Minus over here, Mr. Minus over here, and Mrs. Howes across me. Forks lined up there like soldiers in a platoon. <laughs> Mrs. Howes said, you watch me and I'll watch Mrs. Minus. My wife kept her eyes as mine as when she picked up a fork. My wife picked up a fork. I picked up the same fork. We got about halfway through that meal. Mrs. Minus said, Reverend Hiles, have you joined a ministerial association yet? Oh, 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 oh. Why couldn't she have waited until the stupid meal was over? I wanted to finish it before I got in a fight, so I said, not yet. You call that pussyfooting. She said, are you going to join it? Still wanting to continue my pursuit of that European food. I said, if it's fundamental, you call that compromising. She said, it's not fundamental. Are you going to join it? And Mr. Big Bucks over here looked at me. And he said, answer her, Reverend. Are you too good to sit with our Lutheran friends, pastor, at the Ministerial Association? Answer her. Oh, 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 oh. I put my 15 forks down. And I said, Mr. Minus, you run the Minus department store downtown Hammond. If you ever need any advice about how to run the store, you let me know and I'll give you advice, but I won't give you advice till you ask me. I'm pastor of First Baptist Church of Hammond, Indiana. If I have any advice about how to do it, I'll call you. But when I call you, you keep your cotton-picking hands out of my business. He jumped up, went to the closet, got Mrs. Howe's coat, got my coat, went to the door, and kicked us out. Didn't even give me a doggy bag.
My burden was sure getting heavier. I just came to Jesus. Jesus, would you take my burden? He said, no, won't do it. But he said, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up with a better yoke. I had the same burden. He gave me a better yoke. And I was happier than I was in East Texas when one deacon turned on me. We, got, we pulled out of the American Baptist Convention. Folks, I have been voted out of the Southern Baptist Convention, the American Baptist Convention, and recently the Independent Baptist Convention. <coughs> Praise God, I've never been as happy in my life. I'm, I'm happy as I can be. These microphones act like they've never been kicked before. What's wrong with you, man? Boy, I'm having fun. I'll tell you what. You say, Brother house with all the loads you got to bear, how do you bear upon the Lord? Yeah, I got a yoke from Jesus. That's why I bear upon the Lord. And you come to Jesus, take your burden and quit your whining, call off your stupid pity party, and come to Jesus. He'll hook you up with the yoke. He'll not take your burden, but you can be happy while you bear it. This pulpit's never been shaken before either, I can tell. In 1984, I was getting ready to go preach in a little town called Nederland, Texas. The heartbreak of my life came five minutes before I preached that night. The saddest moment of my life. And I came. To Jesus. I said, Jesus, this burden is more than I can bear. Would you take this burden? He said, no, I won't. I'll give you another yoke. He gave me a yoke. I've got the same burden tonight. And I'll be honest with you, if I listed my burdens tonight, you'd think I ought to commit suicide. I'm not. I'm going to commit murder. If I ever go, I'm taking a few deacons with me, I'll tell you for sure. If I told you tonight all of my burdens, you'd go home, you'd say, oh, God bless that poor man. How does he bear? I'll tell you how to bear up. I've got Jesus' yoke instead of mine. You'll, you, you, you'll not take your burden away, but you don't have to whine. You don't have to complain. Come to Jesus. And he doesn't say he'll take your burden. He says, take my yoke upon you. For my yoke is easy. And when his yoke is easy, your burden is light. I'm an old man now. I tell my people, if you don't like my preaching, I'll go to Florida. That's that other California down to the other end of the country I'll get I'll get I'll get me a pair of Bermuda shorts I'll go to Florida and I'll play shuffleboard the rest of my life and get my social security I'm an old man I'm one year see May June one year and five months from being 70 
But I've never in my life enjoyed living like I enjoy it now. I've never enjoyed preaching like I enjoy it now. We have a bunch of doctors in our church. And, well, my doctor, been my doctor for many years. One of our men, he came by after the service the other night. Took, had a little blood pressure do-jigger with him. He said, Pastor, the way you've been preaching, I thought I'd better take your blood pressure. <laughs> he took it, looked at me, shook his head. He said, it's normal. <laughs> I don't understand it. All the burdens you have, hard as you preach, I don't understand it. I said, Doc, I don't have blood pressure. I give blood pressure. I've never enjoyed, I've got more burdens than I've ever had, multiplied more. I've never enjoyed life as much. We've never enjoyed life like we enjoy it now. We've never enjoyed each other like we enjoy it now. I've never enjoyed my prayer life like I enjoy now. I've never enjoyed that book like I enjoy it now. I've never enjoyed salvation like I enjoy it now. I've never shouted as much as I do now. You know, about once every couple of years, I lose my memory. When I do, I repeat the same statement three times over. When I do, I repeat the same statement three times over. When I do, I repeat the same statement three times over. I have a little spell about once every two years. It only happened three times in the pulpit, but once every couple of years, I have a little spell for about six to eight hours. I lose my memory. I was sitting on a platform not long ago, and I got to thinking, you know what? This sitting down preaching beats that running across that platform, you know. <laughs> you folks can't see me. Just take me out. I'm back here. Trust me by faith. <laughs> I was sitting on that platform beside the preacher. And I got to thinking, I'm about to represent Jesus here. I got to thinking about 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We beseech you in Christ's stead. We are ambassadors for Christ. And I got to thinking, man, I'm here substituting for Jesus tonight. He's busy taking care of my business up there. I'm busy taking care of his business down here. And I got so happy, I was about to have a spell right there the, on the platform. And I said, preacher, I'm going to have to get out of here. I'm about to have a spell. He thought it was a memory spell. It was a shouting spell. I ran out in the backyard, took off my shoes, ran around the church parking lot, praising God and having a spell while the folks were praying for me that I'd overcome my memory lapse. Glory to God, I've never been as happy and never had as many burdens in my life. I've got a thousand more burdens tonight than I had when I was a kid preacher. But it doesn't hurt as much because Jesus has given me a yoke every time I've got a burden. I don't know what burdens are ahead for me. I always thought when you got old, Pastor, everybody loved old men. It, it, it don't work out that way. And I don't understand it as mild and inoffensive as I am. <laughs> One of my men is praying Sunday night in the service. I asked him to lead in prayer. He stood up and said, Dear Lord, bless our preacher because he's different. <laughs> well, praise God, I've heard a heap of preachers. I'm glad I'm different from the ones I've heard. Not these two here, but I don't know, I don't know what the future holds. And I don't know how many burdens I've got to be heaped on me in the future. But I know whenever they come, I'm just going to take them to Jesus. Jesus, would you take my burden? No, son, 
I want. Jesus, you know that song. It will be worth it all when we see Jesus. That's not what Paul sang in the Philippian jail. They were sitting there in jail and stocks and bonds and not the kind you got. But they're sitting there in the jail and stocks and bonds. And Paul said to Silas, let's have a singing. And Paul said, it will be worth it all when we see Jesus. Life's trials will seem so small. Oh, Whatever comes, brother, I know I cannot keep the burdens from coming but know how to make the load lighter. Amen. I just come to Jesus. Jesus, I got these burdens. What you going to do about it? He said, I'm going to let you keep them. Well, I said, Jesus, this morning I can bear. He said, won't be when I get through with you. He gives me a yoke. And I come back having the time of my life. Now you listen, folks. That burden's here to stay. But he has a yoke that'll make it a lot less painful to bear. I'm about to have a spell. Not one of those bad spells. I'm about to have a shouting spell. I stand up and I, my peace to my people. The lady says, can I have an appointment with you? I got a burden. I sit there at my stupid desk. <laughs> I got more enemies than Carter's got pills. She comes in and says, I got a burden. Would you help me bear it? Oh, what is it? She said, I got a mouse loose in my kitchen. <laughs> I said, God bless you, ma'am. And she's more upset about that stupid little mouse than I am at all the burdens I got. You know why? Well, praise God, I've got a yoke that Jesus gave me. And his yoke is easy. And that makes my burden light. So you quit your whining. Quit your, cancel your pity party. You just go to Jesus. He's got a heap more yokes over there all ready to hook, hook up to your burden. And I'll promise you this. I'll promise you this. He'll make the heavy load easier to bear than the light one was when you, when you bore it with your own yoke. That's what he meant when he said, Come unto me, all ye that labor. Hey, that's me. And are heavy laden. That's me. I'm coming, and I'll give you rest. What is this rest? You're going to take the burden off? No, take my yoke upon you and learn of me. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Our Heavenly Father, I'm going to quit. A lot of people here are trying to get rid of their burdens and they get heavier and heavier because they think they have a burden problem. What they have is not a burden problem, it's a yoke problem. I pray tonight you'd help us to realize that whatever the burden is, it's our burden to bear. You said that every man bear his own burden. But you didn't say that every man provide his own yoke. You said, come unto me and take my yoke upon you. 
You'll have the same burden when you go back, but you'll have a yoke that'll make it less painful to bear. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. A yoke on a horse is not to make the load lighter. It's to make the load less painful to carry. You said a while ago that you had a burden. My hand was up, my hand's up again. You said a while ago that you have a burden. And you come to Jesus. Now be honest with me. I'm your pastor now. How many of you would say, Brother Hyland? I raised my hand a while ago that I have a burden. And I'm going to confess something. I've been carrying it with my own yoke too much. I've been carrying my burden with my own yoke. But I see something tonight I've not seen before. And I've learned something tonight I've never heard before, maybe. I learned tonight that Jesus doesn't take my burden. He just gives me a yoke that makes the burden easier to bear. So, Brother Hiles, I'll be honest with you. I raised my hand a while ago. I raised my hand and said I have a burden. And I'll be honest with you. I've been bearing that burden by myself with my own yoke too much of the time. I confess it, but it won't be the same after tonight. Lift your hand, please. Lift your hand, please. Keep it up. Keep it up. Keep it up. Who else? Who else? Who else? You can lower your hands. Father, I pray a long time after I'm in heaven, I pray these people tonight who are still here on earth carrying their burdens, I pray they'll look back to this April night, 1995, and say that old preacher came from Hammond, taught me a truth I've never forgotten. Didn't take my burdens away, but he told me how I could have a yoke that'd make them easier to bear. Bless the people tonight, and I pray that you'd help the people to come to Jesus and take his yoke upon them. Our heads are bowed. Here's what I want you to do. I'm going to point to the organist, and she's going to play. I want every one of you that raised a hand. I want you to come to the aisle. I believe in the altar. I believe in the altar with all my heart. I want you to come down to the altar. Those that come first, come up on the top step and fill up the altars tightly as you can. And then you come as far as you can come and you come as far as you can. Make an altar out of the aisle or wherever you are. I want you to kneel there and I want you to say to Jesus, Jesus, I've been bearing my burden with my own yoke. But I'm going to start coming to you let you give me a yoke that won't take the burden away, but it'll make it less painful to bear. Let tonight be a life-changing one for you. Not leaving you changing burdens, but changing yokes. It'll make the burden less painful. As soon as I point to the organist and as soon as she plays, I want you to leave your seat. Walk down the aisle. Kneel here. Take your yoke to the Lord and leave it there. And take his yoke upon you. For his yoke is easy. And that makes the burden light. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.